The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to my first show, Be Limitless, Breaking Down Mind Barriers. I'm so excited that you're joining me on this latest adventure in my life, Um, one that I would have thought impossible a few years ago, which leads me to my deep gratitude to voiceamerica.com for finding me and offering me this amazing opportunity and uplifting my life with their positivity, passion, support, kindness, and an amazing talent. Um, Getting to work with them is living proof to me for how much my life has changed, that even my work environment has gone from a negative one to a positive one. Um, But more about me in a few minutes. First, I want to tell you about the purpose of the show and the general format of the show. Um, The purpose is to help you see life from a spiritual perspective, because it's from that viewpoint that we can truly release fear, worry, and doubt, and all of the emotions that block us from feeling and experiencing the joy, love, hope, happiness, and peace that we all want and that we all deserve. As we let go of the negativity, we make room for the positive to come in. We all know the expression, the glass is half full. Well, if the glass is full of worry, shame, blame, guilt, jealousy, resentment, etc., there's no room for the good things in our life. And even for us to see the good things that are there because they're blurred by this vision that we have of all of the things that are wrong. So clearing our thoughts and emotions of negativity will literally change our lives and our life experience and what we magnetize, what we draw to us you will begin to see the good as you empty out the negative in your life and feel the gratitude. It's like turning the kaleidoscope. The same pieces are there, 
But as they move around, they reveal new beauty that was hidden previously. So we begin to see that every experience was necessary because when we truly like ourselves, we look back and say, which experience could I have eliminated and still be certain that I'd be me? And since I'm grateful for who I am and for the wisdom I've learned and gleaned through my life experiences and the life that I get to live, then from that perspective, everything was necessary and everything is okay. It just was. And as I accept it and let the pain go, then I open the door for more and more good to come into my life. Everything on the show will be in service to the main focus of releasing negativity and bringing in more positivity into all aspects of our lives. You should be as happy Monday morning as you are Friday night and vice versa. The majority of heart attacks occur Monday morning because people don't want to go to work. So what is it about the workplace and how we're relating to the workplace that prevents us from feeling excited about going. And why do we have TGIF, thank God it's Friday, so that we can enjoy our weekend, finally enjoy a small piece of our life. And for others, they dread Friday night because that means dedicated time alone or at home in an environment that's not a happy one. So wherever your stress and worry and unhappiness is coming from, you have the capability of changing that. We all do. And I'm not offering you the opportunity to do anything that I didn't do Myself, I've been on this journey too. The format of the show is going to be in three segments. The first segment, I'll introduce the topic of the day and share my insights and opinions. I've been working in this area of spirituality and changing my thoughts and emotions, and even my physical body from pain and negativity to health. And today I am the healthiest and happiest and most positive that I have been in my entire life because this journey is working. It does work and it has created joy, immeasurable joy in my life. So I have continued to expand my knowledge and experiences in this area, and I want to make your learning easier and faster by sharing what I've learned along the way with you. The second segment of the show will be a 
conversation with a select guest. And today we have the honor of having Dr. Larry Dossey, who I will talk about in a few minutes. Some, uh, um, and the reason that I want the second segment to focus on a conversation with a select guest is because some of the, to bring some of the thought leaders of our time to you. People who are breaking new ground, opening doors to help us learn, grow, and heal. People who are helping us see and understand the amazing potential in our world and in our lives. And that we are truly limitless. That we truly can change our lives, that we are not alone, that it is not hopeless, that everything can change and we have the power within ourselves to contribute not only to change our own lives, but to contribute to a change in the world, especially at a time when so many people are predicting doom and gloom. We need to hear the people who see beyond the fear, who see that the only thing that's truly real is love, hope. We are never alone. When we feel and know that, then anything is possible. Even becoming healthy when you have been given a terminal diagnosis. Why is it that we assume that the anomaly, that the oddity, that the unusual thing is someone who's, when someone's been given a terminal diagnosis, that they heal? Why don't we assume that that could happen with everyone and ask the question, why don't we all have miraculous healings? So that the oddity is when somebody doesn't heal. During the second and third segments, we'll also be taking questions. So there's um, a call-in number that you'll be able to call into, and it'll be mentioned on break. Um, And also, uh, you can email um, a, a question in either previous to the show or during the show. This third segment will be flexible. We'll either continue the conversation with our guest um, and or there will be questions that we will field from uh, the listening audience, questions that have been sent in beforehand or called in or called in during or sent in during the show. Um, This is where it it becomes personal, where you can take the ideas and apply them to your own life in a way that helps you bring more positivity, peace, joy, love, and happiness, and whatever else you want into your life. And I promised you that I'd tell you a little bit about me. I've lived this journey. I have, and, and, and I want to take you on it with me to help you accomplish the things that I've ca- accomplished. I have gone from being 
mostly a negative thinker, my glass was pretty empty, to being almost always in a positive thought mode, turning the negative into a positive, finding the silver lining, even when it doesn't seem to be there. I've gone from being sad and lonely to happy and knowing that I am never alone, that I am always loved. From being angry and blaming to forgiving and grateful. From being a victim to being self-empowered. I know that nobody has control over my emotions, how I feel, over, or over what I think. I am in charge of what happens in my mind and what happens in my emotions. And I can let go of the negative and I can block the negative from coming in. And when it does, I can turn it into a positive because I have that capability as we all do. I have learned to see the good in my life experiences, to let go of the pain and keep the learning because that's what's real. That's the wisdom from which we can live our lives and not repeat the mistakes or the pain of the past because it's never really a mistake. It's just something that was. My mission is to help others heal mentally, emotionally, and physically through connection to the spiritual realm. This radio show is part of actualizing that mission, as is my writing, coaching, speaking, and energy healing. You can go to my website, paulajoyce.com to get more information about that and the things that I do. In fact, the process that I use in my coaching came to me in a dream. So this is a perfect segue into our guest and what he's going, some of the things he's going to be talking about. The process that I use helps people to discover and remove hidden blocks to their being and doing what they want in life. We tell ourselves that it's has some that we're not doing what we want to because we don't have the um, education, the money, the time, the energy. But that's just our logical mind, our conscious mind blocking us. The real reason is hidden in the unconscious. And we have the capability of through this process that came to me to bring that to the surface and as it comes to the surface it begins to release and when your left brain and right brain your conscious mind and your unconscious mind are connected then a pathway opens up and you are able to accomplish what you want to whether it's personally or professionally whether it's part of your emotions thoughts, or actions that you want to take. So we, uh, we are um, 
now have the privilege after the break to hear um, from Dr. Larry Dossie. And he's going to talk about some of these things that create the one mind, which is a concept that he is putting forth. We'll hear what he has to say about that. But first, I want to um, give you a little teaser by telling you uh, some of his credentials, and there are far too many to mention all of them. But I first want to say that it's a real honor for me to have him on because he was one of the people who helped open up my thinking 25 years ago to begin to see the world in a different way and to begin to understand the power of the spiritual realm and of prayer. So it's really exciting for me to have him on the show. Um, that At that point, I had read his um, New York Times bestseller, Healing Words. Since then, he has, um, or before and since then, he's written 11 other books. Dr. Larry Dossey is a leader in bringing scientific understanding to spirituality and rigorous proof to integrative medicine. He's an internal medicine physician and the former chief of staff of Medical City Dallas Hospital. He has been translated and published around the world. He has lectured in the nation's leading medical schools and hospitals and internationally. And it's my privilege to talk with him during the second segment of our show right after this break. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. 
Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call one 866 472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795 You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit I'd like to welcome our guest, Dr. Larry Dassey, author of, um, well, he's a numerous books, but most recently, One Mind, and that's the concept that we're going to talk about today. And I'd also want to just mention that he was one of a select group of only 40 people who were invited to the University of California in Irvine. Um, by the National Academy of Science just um, in, in um, the last few weeks. So he is so highly respected and uh, also by the scientific community as well as by the public. So thank you for joining us. Well, I must say, uh, Dr. Paula, that it's uh, not only great to be on your show, but to be on your first show. It, it, it's really an honor, and I, I can tell that you're going to have a long, lustrous, colorful career because you're just a natural. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me, especially coming from you. Um, so thank you. And I'd like to start by your explaining what you mean by one mind. Well, the one mind uh, is my term for the way that all of our individual minds uh, come together and uh, fit into something larger that that actually transcend, transcends our individual sense of uh, uh, having a, a, a mind at all. You know, we have, uh, in the 20th century, sort of split the mind up into all sorts of parts, such as the conscious, the pre-conscious, the unconscious, subconscious, and so on. But uh, I, I think there's a risk to that. We have overlooked the fact that our mind really has no boundaries. Uh, it appears to be infinite in space and time. We know this from many angles of research. And if it doesn't have any boundaries, then it just makes sense to say that at some point our minds come together into something larger. Uh, I, I think this is a, an ancient uh, spiritual uh, understanding it goes back at least three thousand years in some Eastern traditions, and the odd thing is that uh, it is being affirmed too by uh, by uh, experiments in uh, neuroscience. You know, you had mentioned my involvement uh, at the National Academy of Sciences meeting a couple weeks ago at the University of California, Irvine, where we actually talked about the evidence for minds coming together. So I, I say this. Uh, 
just to let our listeners know that uh, uh, if they think this is some you know far out woo idea, it, it it really isn't. It's being taken very seriously by people at the highest levels of scientific research where consciousness is concerned. And I'm so glad to hear that because um, you mentioned in your book, and and I'd like you to talk a little bit about how how long this research has been out there and yet why it's gotten so little attention and maybe what's changing now that scientists are beginning to be willing to look at this and to acknowledge it. Well, I think uh, it's uh, been gathering steam for really over uh, the entire 20th century, uh, even somewhat before that. Uh, it has been uh, really scoffed at because we have just been obsessed in modern uh, science by uh, what goes on in the brain. We've gotten to a way of thinking about mind that says it's basically the equivalent of what the chemistry and anatomy of the brain is doing. Uh, You know, if you take away the brain, you don't have a mind. Uh, so uh, this idea of equating our, our own minds with our brain is just something that we've practically been hypnotized by. But the studies which have been gathering steam uh, over the past uh, 100 years, really, uh, show very clearly that our minds can do things our brains aren't capable of. Uh, this is a way of saying that minds cannot be accounted for by just looking at the brain. Uh, now, people have had experiences of this sort forever, uh, which we've called telepathy and clairvoyance and uh, premonitions and this sort of thing, but they've been laughed at and they've been set aside as just being fantasy and uh, impossible. The, the recognition now, which came uh, out very vividly at this conference that I just mentioned, uh, is that the... Uh, Experimental studies which put these things to the test show that they actually happen. Uh, This is a momentous moment where we have experimental evidence that what has been called parapsychology and clairvoyance and ESP and all of that really uh, are factual. Uh, This evidence is gathering steam. It isn't going away. And the reason we had this meeting, and it was sponsored by the National Academy of Sciences, is that scientists are beginning to realize that if we're going to understand our consciousness and our mind, we're going to have to take this stuff seriously. So it's a great time to be alive and working in medicine and science uh, because, you know, this is a dramatic change in the history of human thought uh, in the modern age. I I agree with you, and I thank you for being one of those people who's helped to get the research out there and to um, stimulate the new awareness and for science beginning to really pay attention. You were talking, what came to mind, I mean, there are so many things that you talk about in this book, and I highly recommend that people read it. But when you were talking about the brain versus the mind, what came to me was your section on savants. And that may um, lend some proof to what you were just saying. Well, I uh, think uh, savants are a huge piece of the evidence that uh, brains aren't everything. You know, a savant uh, is one of these people who 
are able to do things uh, at, at a depth and a level that are really astonishing in, sp- in spite of the fact that they generally have mental retardation sometimes of a severe degree. Uh, some of these people who are able to uh, perform mathematical feats that it would re- require a computer to do, really, uh, can't even tie their shoes. They, they can't read. They're incapable of learning. Uh, and so how do you account for these spectacular performances that these people demonstrate? They're, uh, they're, there's just no way of understanding how savants can do what they do without uh, going beyond the brain. So I think they're a real important piece of the evidence that uh, our mind certainly extends beyond our brain. You know, people may remember the movie Rain Man, which was one of the great movies which uh, focused on this uh, problem uh, of savants which we're confronted with. I just think that uh, that's an arrow pointing toward uh, consciousness acting in ways that can't be uh, accounted for by paying attention to the chemistry of our brain. It is fascinating, and I think also the studies about twins are fascinating, and I guess that hits home for you being an identical twin and your wife being a fraternal twin, but beyond your personal experience, there's a lot of data, and one of the things that you talked about in your book, one of the pieces of data with the twins having the same burn. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about those studies and what they tell us. Well, I, uh, uh, as you mentioned, I uh, grew up as an identical twin, and all of our life, my twin brother and I have had experiences where we were able to tune in on each other's thoughts at a distance or sometimes experience uh, physical symptoms without knowing what was going on with the other one. Uh, this became so common, we, we weren't surprised by it. It's just part of what we call twin stuff. Uh, <laughs> and my, my, my wife is a fraternal t- twin, as you mentioned, and she's had even more dramatic uh, examples of this sort of long-distance exchange of emotions and feelings with her, her twin brother. Uh, one of the uh, examples I use in the book uh, to illustrate this is what happened in the lives of uh, little four-year-old identical twin girls in Spain uh, a few years back. Uh, one of them stayed home to help her mother with household chores uh, while the father took the other little girl, twin girl, off to visit the grandparents who were tens of miles away. And unfortunately, the little girl who stayed home to help her mom touched uh, uh, her hand to a red-hot iron and immediately erupted in a second-degree burn, just a huge blister uh, on one particular uh, part of her hand. And at the same time, it turns out, the other little twin girl, tens of miles away, uh, simultaneously erupted in an identical burn a uh, second-degree burn on the same hand in the same pattern. Uh, this was investigated by a team of uh, researchers at the University of Madrid, and uh, uh, it's just one of those stunning examples that in some way uh, our consciousnesses are united across uh, space, uh, and uh, otherwise we, we can't understand these sorts of events. Th- these are extremely common. There's a great book people might be interested in. I refer to it in my book, 
But this book uh, is full of examples like this. It's called Twin Telepathy, and it's written by a consciousness researcher in Britain by the name of Dr. Guy Playfair. But uh, this is the sort of human experience, the human side of uh, this sort of thing. And I think we should pay ex- uh, extreme attention to these sorts of things. You know, people have laughed at them and just called them anecdotes and people's stories. But, you know, I think that's where the real action is here. Uh, we do have a lot of experiments which put these sorts of things to the test, which show the same thing. That is, people can communicate with each other at great distances, but these human stories really bring it home, I think. I agree with you. I I love uh, anecdotal um, stories, and I think that when you get a num a, a large number of them, all pointing to the same evidence, then it becomes believable. It's not just something isolated, but when we gather all of these isolated in- in- instances, it's hard to deny the reality of it. Well, I feel exactly the same way. And so what's quite wonderful uh, currently is that we have experiences uh, combined with experiments. And (laughs) when you add both of these things together, I think the case for uh, our unlimited united uh, minds is much stronger than if we just had uh, one uh, without the other. So it's you know, it's. I think it's just really fun to, to try to marry up people's experiences with uh, experiments, which is where we are currently in this business. And, and and I agree with you. And that's one of the things I love about your work is that you're able to take both, so that someone who's of a show me the proof. Um, and, and anecdotal information, even massive amounts, isn't convincing. There is hard data as well. So combined, it's like irrefutable. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to chime in and agree with you. You know, I realize that a lot of readers and a lot of listeners could uh, care less about what these randomized double-blind experiments show. They just want to know, you know, what's what's relevant to me, how does this uh, influence my life, but, uh, you know, I think uh, we have to admit that science is the most powerful uh, metaphor in our culture, and and if we can bring science on board and and, uh, affirm our individual experiences, I think we're better off if we can do that, and that certainly is the position we're in right now, so we can make a formidable case uh, both from people's individual personal experiences as well as experiments that something's going on here that points to a unified uh, expression of human consciousness that just laughs at spatial separation and boundaries and in some sense comes together to form what I'm calling the one mind. And I love it. You've articulated it so beautifully. I'm. We're about ready to go to break, but I'm wondering if you'd be willing to stay on um, for some of the third segment so that we can talk a little more. Paul, I'd be delighted. Wonderful. Thank you. So we're going to take a break now, and then we'll come back with Dr. Larry Dossi.
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Being outside the box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Um, and here we are back with Dr. Larry Dossey. Um, I was hoping that you might talk a little bit about the smoke signals because I found that so fascinating that it wasn't Morse code, that it was literally a signal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the book is full of uh, examples of uh, how we communicate with each other as if our minds are connected, and a lot of times we don't even realize what's going on. Uh, one of the ways that this uh, has taken place in primitive cultures is through uh, what are known as smoke signals. And uh, I've gone back in the anthropology literature and found e- uh, explanations from natives themselves about how it worked. Uh, and particularly in Australia with the aboriginal uh, pre-modern uh, culture, this was widely known among Native people that uh, they weren't uh, using some sort of code uh, with their smoke signals. What the smoke signal did was to alert somebody at a distance to pay attention and listen up uh, so they could receive some sort of mental message from the person who was far away making the uh, smoke signal. 
So there wasn't a code that they uh, were invoking. And uh, the anthropologists who have described this say that white people never got it. Uh, they just never understood that uh, there was some sort of telepathic exchange going on between these distant natives. Uh, and I, I find that uh, fascinating because the white uh, settlers were in sort of their, you know, their mechanical mode of thinking, which still persists. We just are obsessed with thinking that uh, this stuff is impossible. But there you have it in primitive cultures. Uh, and even though the uh, white people, Caucasians, were staring at it in front of them, they still had trouble thinking that it could even be possible. Which is that um, problem with the closed mind of only be of having blinders on, of only being able to see what we knew in the past, and not allowing ourselves to to see new evidence and interpret things in new ways. The the other thought that I had as I was reading that is I wonder if all of our technology, which is wonderful but has caused us to disconnect from our ability to access the one mind. I know a lot of us do, and we all have that limitless capability, but how many of us believe it and or just, you know, throw it aside as, oh, that was just a coincidence or, oh, that was weird that that happened um, because we, we've, the technology allows us to physically connect so that we have lost the willingness to understand and to try to connect through the one mind. Well, I think that's a profound uh, uh, point of view. You know, before telephones were invented, uh, this stuff was extremely common. Uh, And in pre-modern cultures, it's still very common where people do not have smartphones and the Internet and so on. So I, I think we paid a price uh, for uh, relying on technology. It, it has caused us, I think, to give short shrift to our natural abilities, uh, such as communicating without any mechanical means. And I, uh, uh, I'm fascinated, uh, however, because we still retain this ability, and when you test for it, you can demonstrate it. Uh, for example, one of the strongest areas of research showing that we can communicate a distance is a field called remote viewing, and we have stationed people on opposite sides of the earth, and in these computer-controlled experiments, uh, a person is uh, given a message to communicate to the person who's far away, sometimes on the other side of the earth, and that person responds, and then the uh, information that's received is uh, judged by a computer to either fit or miss what was being sent. And in the majority of these hundreds and hundreds of uh, experiments, the receiver gets the information uh, in sometimes camera-like detail. And here's the weird thing, Paula. The, in most of these uh, uh, experiments, the receiver gets the information that's being sent up to a week before it's even sent before a computer even decides what's going to be sent later. So this is a a, a demonstration that our minds are able to anticipate what's going to happen in the future in addition to gaining information from a great distance. So this is the sort of information, getting back to that uh, National Academy of Sciences meeting we were talking about earlier, 
this is the sort of information and experimental evidence that we were kicking around uh, at at our meeting out at the uh, University of California, Irvine. How exciting. Um, how exciting. I'm really looking forward to more uh, coming out in this area because I think that we do, I mean, if the physics of time is correct, that the past, present, and future is always available to us, then it makes sense. Well, that's a great way to put it, and that's exactly uh, where we are. The, the old idea that time is a river and that it always flows in one direction and it can't go backwards and you're always stuck in the present, uh, uh, that idea is just not uh, going to uh, prove uh, helpful. So we're going beyond the idea of uh, a linear flowing time and uh, it'll be exciting to see uh, where all this points. We know one thing, however. We know that the old idea that the consciousness in, is stuck in the brain and is confined to the present, that's just not going to hack it. Uh, so, again, it's just really exciting to be on the frontier and uh, be working uh, in these exciting domains. I, I would imagine, and I'm grateful that we're getting to hear about it. I, I do have a question from a client uh, that she emailed in to me before the uh, show. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to take a moment to ask this now. She says, um, how does death, loss, tragedy connect with the one mind Um, and she was referring specifically the question got triggered because of the recent suicide of Lorenz Scott Mm -hmm. well I uh, actually confront this uh, question straight up in in the book I uh, uh, let's just take the the biggest tragedy that everybody faces sooner or later and that's uh, physical death uh, we have been taught that that when the body dies and the brain dies, that amounts to total annihilation of everything that we are. Nothing survives. Mind, consciousness, personality, all that vanishes forever. Uh, the one mind idea points in another direction. Uh, it says that our minds are infinite, and not only in space, but in time as well. And if you reason this through, as I explain in the book, you get to the point where you say this. If consciousness is infinite in time, then it's immortal. It's eternal. And so in this way, this premise of the one mind overcomes the greatest tragedy that humans will ever face, uh, which is physical death. And I think all the other forms of tragedy probably pale in comparison to the the uh, specter of total annihilation and death. And I think the one mind is sort of an antidote for uh, most of the misfortunes and the tragedies that we confront here on this earth because uh, we have to face the fact that we're eternal and immortal. Otherwise, we're going to have to throw away all of this evidence pointing toward this aspect of who we are that goes beyond uh, linear time. Uh, I, I know this may sound far out to people who bump into it for the first time, but we're looking here at the concept of the soul. Uh, We've said that uh, the soul is something that isn't born, it doesn't die, it couldn't even die if it tried, it's eternal and immortal. Uh, 
And that's precisely the picture that comes out of the evidence for the one mind. So I would hope that this realization, that people really get it in their heart and really come to terms with it, would uh, sort of uh, reduce the seriousness of all the other tragedies and the misfortunes that we, we all confront one time or another in this uh, existence. I, uh, I agree, and I think even the word um, tragedy, its it feels tragic to us because it's our loss of a loved one or of a nationally known figure, but for the person, it's not necessarily a tragedy, the person who has chosen, and in some ways I would even argue that we all choose when we're going to go just some of, some of it looks more dramatic because we may take an overdose of pills intentionally mm-hmm. versus getting a cancer that, um, you know, the, that's going to cause end in death. Well, um, yeah, I agree with that, if I might add. Uh, you know, another way of approaching this is to uh, listen to what people have to say who have had near-death experiences uh, and have not died, but have come back to, to tell what uh, things look like uh, uh, on the other side. Uh, there are 15 million Americans by now who have had a near-death experience. And the story they tell when they come back is not one of tragedy. It's the opposite. Uh, a lot of them find uh, indescribable joy and fulfillment and uh, through this experience. So they have a different take on tragedy. So, uh, and one of the things that they come back almost exclusively to describe is how things fit together into a pattern of oneness and connectivity that uh, goes beyond the sense of isolation and separateness that makes up a lot of uh, our daily experience. So there is another way of looking at this, and I uh, I think that attention to the one mind and experiences such as the near-death experience can transform what we would otherwise call tragic. Uh, yes, and and that um, gets me to a question that um, we might end on, and, and that's that if you would talk a little bit about what you've gained um, from your studies in this area and for your coming to this concept of one mind, how it's made a difference for you in your life? Well, it's made a huge difference. A lot of it has to do with my experience as a physician. Uh, I had, the first year I was in medical practice, I had a series of uh, dream premonitions where I I dreamt uh, in great detail of the future that proved out to be true within 24 hours. This was just upsetting to me because I knew that this couldn't happen and the brain didn't work that way. You couldn't know something before it happened, but there it was. Uh, I I went on a journey to try to understand the, the workings of the mind, and this took me into an area of research which uh, I've been, you know, at home with ever since. It has shown me that my consciousness is not stuck in my brain. I mean, I don't know any other way to, to put it. The, that's where the research uh, points like an arrow. It's not going away. The, the evidence becomes more abundant with each passing day. 
And so it has revolutionized my way of relating to other people. I don't see myself as separate anymore. I, uh, it's, it's really helped relieve my sense of uh, aloneness and a sense of isolation. And I can tell you I was a uh, confirmed uh, introvert, uh, you know, and I didn't go for this idea of being connected with other people. Now I think it's inevitable, and I'm much more at home about it. It's increased my level of creativity, my sense of joy and fulfillment in life, and it's just made a huge difference in how I see the world and how I exist with respect to other people. I think that's beautiful, and and I remember um, reading what you wrote about um, feeling hope and that you're not alone and and that you you you're always loved you're always in kind of an energy of love well that's a good way to put it it's always always uh, it's also made a difference in my sense of service to other people uh, i have learned that one way of connecting with people is to do do something for people to serve uh, to to be in service. Of course, my role as an internist has helped me do that almost on a daily basis. But there are other ways of being in service to people. I I try to mentor people. I try to help them. I always uh, stand ready to assist young writers who are trying to break into the authorship and and this sort of thing. And uh, these things are very meaningful to me, and they've been made possible by my sense of connectedness with people and also seeing how people have served me in their life. Uh, I wouldn't be where I'm, I am today without tremendous numbers of people being of service to me. And when we use service, what we mean basically is a form of love and caring and a breaking down of divisions and isolation between people. So you said earlier that love is what it's all about. Uh, I want to endorse that 100%. Thank you, and thank you so much for mentoring us and for sharing and being of service to us, truly, um, truly. I, I am very grateful, and um, I hope that, that we get um, to have you on the show again because you have so much knowledge, and it's so easy to listen to you and to talk with you and to learn from you. I w- was saying to you, Um, during the commercial and I want to repeat it again that um, Dr. Dr. Larry Dossie's book One Mind reads like a mystery novel it's not like a scientific investigation that's in a journal that will bore you to tears it is fascinating reading and will help to open your heart your eyes your mind um, to the fact that we are all limitless and that all is love. So I thank you so much, um, and I really do hope we can um, have another conversation. Well, I look forward to it, and I'm sure we can, and I want to wish you the very best, and I know that your program is going to make uh, the world a better place, and I just uh, wish you the best, Dr. Paula. Thank you, Larry, so very much. Truly, you have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
how exciting. Um, so much information that he has to share. And I think that this idea of um, the, the question about death is such an important one because it does point to the fact that we are all souls, that we are all spiritual beings on a physical journey in a physical body and when we leave this world we don't leave it in in the sense of everything ending it's just a continuation of the soul's life in a different way and often the people who we mourn yes it's a loss for us but they're happy um, they they are where they want to be and they are happy. So I think that it's um, these concepts are so important and can enrich and uplift our lives when we begin to see our life and and the experience that we have on earth as a human experience that our soul is having. So it's um, the end of our show now, and um, so I need to say goodbye. And again, thank you so much for listening, and also um, I want you to know, to remember what we just said. You are loved. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.